Veeam, Radical Resilience, starts here. Welcome to Tech News Briefing. It's Friday, March 1st. I'm Alex Osola for The Wall Street Journal. Coming up on today's show, just as Venom is the antithesis of Spider-Man, there are nefarious versions of artificial intelligence-powered chatbots, too. WSJ business tech reporter Bell Lin tells us what these bots are being used for and how businesses are stepping up their cyber defenses. And then, the U.S. military has spent billions of dollars over decades trying to develop high-tech, super-fast missile systems. We'll find out why Silicon Valley startups are betting they can help the military catch up to its rivals from WSJ tech reporter Heather Somerville. But first... Cybercriminals on the dark web have a new tool at their disposal, dark AI chatbots. They're large language models similar to ChatGPT, only a bit different. WSJ business tech reporter Bell Lin is here to tell us what criminals are using them for and how people can protect themselves from more sophisticated digital attacks. Bell, tell me about these AI-powered tools on the dark web. These tools are really tools designed to help hackers. And it's exactly as it sounds. They run by names like Bad GPT, Fraud GPT, Dark Bert. And you can think of them really simplistically as kind of a dark version of ChatGPT. But on the technical back end, they're really versions of those same tools that have been hijacked or manipulated by bad actors to do things like write better scam emails, phishing messages, and write better malware to target businesses. When did they first start to come online? So I talked to these researchers at Indiana University who combed through almost 200 of these models on the dark web. And the first service they saw popped up in early 2023. And so notably, that's just a few months after the public release of ChatGPT in November 2022. Who makes these systems and where do they get the AI systems to power them? I mentioned that some of these are considered dark twins of ChatGPT. And that's really because they're running on the same models that ChatGPT runs on. So in that case, it's OpenAI's GPT model. And those same models can be what we call jailbroken by some of these bad actors to strip away their built-in safeguards that companies like OpenAI put in. Give me an example of how people are being affected by these tools. One of the chief information security officers I talked to said that he'd noticed a significant increase in the number of spear phishing attacks targeting his organization, his employees. So that means that AI can really scrape for this personalized information about you, about your company, and pull that context into the email. So it sounds even more like it's coming from your CEO, from your colleague, from your work wife, whatever. How are companies like OpenAI preventing their tools from being used for these malicious bots? Model makers pretty much across the board, whether they release these closed proprietary models like OpenAI or they're in the open source world like Meta's Llama models, they all really want to clamp down on this kind of thing. So they really take a kind of when we see it, we take it down approach. But it's a really cat and mouse game, which is the way it is in a lot of cybersecurity realms. So as soon as the good guys catch something, the bad guys do something more effective. How can people who are on the receiving end of these kinds of attacks, spear phishing, like you mentioned, protect themselves? 
Yeah, it's really about what one cyber leader called this erosion of trust, where especially heading into election year, we are likely to see a lot more mis and disinformation and deep fakes. And so it's hard to trust what you see. But that's also something that cybersecurity leaders want their employees to have is this kind of skepticism towards what they see to add additional layers of verification and security. Some model makers also advocate for watermarking on images that are created. That's a kind of area that could be implemented in the regulation sense. But for businesses, mostly, it's about adding more security tools and making employees ever more vigilant. That was our business tech reporter, Bell Lynn. Coming up, the U.S. military has spent decades and billions of dollars working on hypersonic weapons. Could venture-backed startups make a breakthrough? That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In the world of war, there's fast and then there's crazy fast. Hypersonic weapons and vehicles travel at least five times the speed of sound, or faster, which is at least 3,800 miles an hour. For defense applications, having weapons that travel this fast doesn't give your enemy time to prepare for what's coming. But the U.S. is years behind its biggest rivals in developing hypersonic weapons technology. Now, Silicon Valley is betting it can help the U.S. Defense Department catch up. WSJ tech reporter Heather Somerville joins me now with more. Heather, we know the U.S. is behind, but what is the military's current capability with hypersonic weapons? Not a whole lot. And that's really the issue. China and Russia have both demonstrated that they have hypersonic weapons and Russia has used them against Ukraine. China has done test launches of these weapons that really jolted the U.S. military and caught their attention and really made a statement as to how far behind the U.S. is in developing these systems. Now, hypersonic systems have been worked on really since the 50s. So this is not like a brand new technology, just the DOD hasn't quite figured it out. And they've put a ton of money into it, about $8 billion since 2019. And there's at least another 19 billion or so that's dedicated to funding building hypersonic systems for the next several years. Why is the U.S. lagging behind its adversaries? There's a lot of different reasons. One, let's not understate how complicated and challenging these systems are to build. When you have aircraft flying through space at that speed, you have to have materials that can withstand thousands and thousands of degrees. The engineering is just difficult. So there's that. But there's also the fact that the DOD has had lots and lots of tests and programs where it's worked on hypersonic applications. And one little thing might go wrong, and then they scrap the whole program. And so that's been a criticism from the commercial industry that you need to get out and test these things and iterate. And as one CEO put it to me, let the hypersonic aircraft blow up, figure out what went wrong and rebuild. And the criticism is that the DOD, instead of building on mistakes, has just sought to cancel programs. 
What has the Defense Department said about its hypersonic weapons strategy? The Defense Department in 2021 outlined plans to start fielding offensive hypersonic weapons in the early to mid-2020s. You'll note we're in 2024, so almost to the middle of the decade, and the department is not there yet. A Defense Department spokesman did tell us that they are on track to start fielding initial hypersonic capabilities in the middle of the decade, but did not provide us with any more granular detail on what that looks like. The DOD has says that they are working with around 15 venture-backed companies and other sort of non-traditional legacy defense vendors to try to really advance their work on hypersonics. They've also dedicated a bunch more money to tripling their rate of test flights. So that's been one of the other big holdups is they don't test these super fast aircraft very much and it costs them sometimes a hundred million dollars to do a single test. But they worked up to about 10 of these tests last year and they say they're doing more They also say we shouldn't compare what the U.S. military is doing with what Russia and China have demonstrated because it's not a one-weapon versus one-weapon sort of arms race. Why are Silicon Valley startups interested in getting involved? Primarily, they see the need that the DoD has. They see a very willing customer in a Pentagon that is under pressure and facing heat from Congress for not having these systems ready. And they think that they have the solution that they're going to use venture capital dollars to go really fast and build the stuff that the DOD hasn't been able to build itself and sell it to them. You reported that companies like BlackRock and RTX are backing some of these initiatives. What are some of the startups working on this? There's different startups taking different approaches. There's some like Ursa Major, which is a company that is building the propulsion system. There's another company called Hermius, which eventually it wants to build a hypersonic jet that will take passengers around the world. But in the nearer term, they want to sell these autonomous jets that are hypersonic powered to the military. How much money have venture capitalists invested in hypersonic weapons in recent years? Over the past two years, roughly 500 to 600 million dollars. It's really notable for a couple of reasons. Going back the past two decades or so, really since the dot-com boom, if you just look at hardware, difficult, expensive hardware systems, not even with military applications, that's not been a sector where there's been tremendous venture capital interest. Software is eating the world, as Mark Andreessen said, and the dollars followed software. That's really been the focus of VC for the past couple of decades. So you go from that to hypersonic systems, which can you imagine anything much more expensive or complex hardware engineering? Not really. The second reason it's notable is just it's probably one of the most ambitious and unlikely ventures into this military tech space. As VC gets more deep into defense tech, this is really quite a stunning evolution in their enthusiasm for building tech that they hope the military will buy. That was our tech reporter, Heather Somerville. And that's it for Tech News Briefing. Today's show was produced by Julie Chang. I'm your host, Alex Osala. Jessica Fenton and Michael Laval wrote our theme music. Our supervising producer is Catherine Millsop. Our development producer is Aisha Al-Muslim. Scott Salloway and Chris Zinsley are the deputy editors. And Falana Patterson is the Wall Street Journal's head of news audio. We'll be back this afternoon with TNB Tech Minute. Thanks for listening.
Build a stronger future with Veeam, the global leader in data protection and ransomware recovery. Protect and restore any workload, anywhere, anytime, instantly, and get comprehensive recovery and tailored solutions that scale with you. Visit VEEAM.com to learn more. Veeam, radical resilience starts here.